On this episode, we discuss the fourth episode of Season 2 of Westworld. Did we just watch an unreleased episode of Black Mirror? Listen in as the Pour Over Gang discusses the riddle of the Sphinx and its fiery implications. Hey friends, welcome to the Pour Over Podcast, hosted by myself, Dill, and Joe. Each week, we bring you our thoughts on a certain episode of a TV show, and most importantly, chit-chat about the very thing so many of us depend on each morning, coffee. And I uh, just want to say Happy New Year to all the Ooh. listeners and to you as well, Joe. Uh, Thanks, This man. is the first episode we're recording in the new year. Um, so, yeah, Happy New Year. So, how's it going, man? It's pretty good. Uh, same to you. Uh, really look yeah. forward to 2019. Hopefully it won't be as depressing and messy as 2018. Ooh. Ooh. Yeah, we got, we, got, we got a lot of stuff to look forward to. Most diverse Congress ever, uh, but we ain't gonna get political on this. Um, yeah, I, I'm doing pretty well. Um, you know, winter break is wrapping up for the students, which also means for teachers and other staff, we're going back to school. Uh, you know, doing our thing, educating them kids. So, yeah, you know, just uh, kind of say some some nervous excitement for me getting back into the work week. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. What about you, man? How have you been? Uh, pretty good. I I am in winter break, but I took a winter semester class, so it's a one week intensive. And mm. I'll say it was pretty hard. Um, just oh. the amounts of time, not necessarily because the class was particularly difficult, but you know, it's like five days, eight a.m. to five p.m. Oh it's, shoot! Uh, it's just kind of hard to sit in the same class, you know. Yeah, and, and I felt bad for the professor because he had a lecture <laughs> that long. Um, yeah. So I I was impressed and gave him props. He uh, he he was drinking a lot of tea throughout the whole week, <laughs> trying to save his voice. All right. But yeah, no, it's good. It's a good feeling to be done. I'm not I'm not used to having to go to school that many days in a row. Although mm-hmm. I, I know that's just what everyone does for work every week, anyways, but yeah. I'm not not quite used You're to not that built for yet. That life. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's oh. it kind of a little bit of extra effort. So right. I'm glad to be done. I, I got another week of break until I get back to the spring semester. Okay. So yeah, overall doing pretty good. Sweet. <clears throat> how's uh, how's your coffee been this week? Coffee has been pretty good. Um, I kind of just started brewing in my apartment um, on Wednesday when I came home after spending the holidays with my family. So I think we might have talked about this before, but I was drinking like Folgers and Maxwell House Mm. while at home. That wasn't the most exciting thing, but uh, I don't know. We kind of talked about this via text, but... It's like you, you need some of those days, some of those brews in order to appreciate like the really good ones. Mm. So, yeah, it's good to be back in, you know, the kitchen and brewing my own stuff. I've been using AirPress um, and I actually picked up or I didn't pick up, but uh, one of our good friends uh, gave me a, a fellow attachment for the AeroPress called the Prismo. Very nice. Yeah. V, 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 V. Nice. Um it's a, basically a metal filter with a uh, kind of like a pressurized uh, nozzle attachment. So what you get is the benefits have, of having a metal filter being reusable, but uh, without the drip and kind of uh, leaky problem that it has. Mm-hmm. But that's really all it is. And I would say it's a pretty good uh, solution to the filter issue only if you want to pay like 10 bucks more to make sure there's like no drip. Mm. Yeah. Did, did you usually brew in the normal method or did you do the inverted? I did the inverted. Yeah. Mm. So, yeah, uh, that's, but that's what I usually do too. Yeah. And do you like the inverted? I, I mean, I mostly only do it just so that it doesn't drip through into the cup. Right. Um, I don't think it necessarily makes it better on, on other than that fact. So, yeah, but if if I if I had an attachment that made it not drip through, I I would rather just do it that way, I think. 
it's kind of game changing, honestly. Um, yeah, because you put it on and you can do it right side up. And when it's steeping for one minute, you can literally take it off the cup and just put it on the table. Oh, it's wow. like, oh, <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah, it's kind of mind blowing. Yeah, how what what kind of cup does it brew though? Do you feel like it, it it changes it up at all? Um, I would say it. Uh, you might say it gives it some more body. Mm-hmm. Um, initially, I didn't think that, but after closer ex- in inspection, there's a there's quite a bit of uh, coffee silt left over mm-hmm. um, that gets through the metal uh, sieve or sieve. Um, so that, that that's one of the biggest differences. Hmm. Okay, yeah. I feel like that's kind of a personal preference if people like it or not. Um, do you think it makes a better cup, just kind of from your perspective? Uh, I, I think, yeah, I, I, but I think it's uh, also a little bit um, symptomatic of the right-side-up brewing method, which I think, hmm. for me, leads to more accurate brews. Yeah, because I don't know, maybe I just have it, maybe I'm just doing it all wrong on the inverted method, but uh, those numbers on the sides are really uh-huh. helpful for the uh, right side up method. Um, oh, I usually just count down, you know. Oh, uh, true. <laughs> <laughs> true. Uh, but oh. I mean, I, because you do have to put the plunger in, you kind of have to, at least for me, I. I, I generally have a spot that I put the plunger to every time. Right. Okay. Um, so there's uh, it just takes a little extra effort. It's like a little bit of guesswork to it. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. That's why you got to use a scale, man. Oh, uh, yeah, I know. I know. It's it's all about them grams. Yeah. Yeah. So what about you, man? How have uh, your brews been? Yeah, I didn't totally think about this when the holiday started but like i said i um i was taking that winter semester class and while doing that i was actually also dog sitting for some people okay and um i i I talked about it on the last episode where even before that i was i was visiting my family in utah and i was drinking the mount hagen that uh that instant coffee freeze-dried Right, right. And what I did this week, too, was continue that. And I also drank the Mount Hagen just because I was at someone else's house. And, oh, no. Um, and also I had a lot of early mornings because of the class. So right. in a lot of ways, not just coffee related, I realized I, I was thrown out of my normal routines for like two straight weeks. Mm-hmm. And um, actually, as we record this, tonight will be the first night I'm sleeping in my own bed in over two weeks. Oh my! So yeah, I just I just like didn't really put that together when I was making my plans. Mm-hmm. Um, so yes, I've been drinking instant coffee for just a little over two weeks. Wow! Um, and, and, and you survived. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I made it through. Um, I, I appreciate how easy it was. Like, yeah, I could have brought some stuff to the house just because it's not super far from where I live. And I could have done it, but sure. Really, just the the convenience of the instant really was a big sell, especially just trying to wake up every morning. I think it was a little difficult. So mm-hmm. just being able to just put the hot water in, mix it up, be ready to go. Sure. So, yeah, the Mount Hagen, not, not the worst. Kind of like I said last time, I think, yeah, there's like not really taste notes there's like a hint of sweetness but it's just kind of like empty sweetness if that kind of makes sense it doesn't really go anywhere and the body is just pretty watery pretty light as Mm. with most instant coffee um so it's okay i mean i'd I'd buy it again in terms of instant so now i'm almost done with the container after about two weeks Uh, probably maybe like four more cups and it'd be it but since I'm home, I probably will not be drinking those four cups anytime soon. Oh, I was about to say we could have a Mount Hagen spokesperson on our hands here. <laughs> you really digging I that mean, Mount Hagen? If Mount Hagen <laughs> wants to um, send me some, um, I'll take it. And no guarantees oh. how long it will be until I drink it. But, <laughs> you know, 
You'll sell it to your friends. Yeah. You know, different tools for different purposes. Sure, sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. What has there ever been a bean that you've had before that reminds you of the Mount Hagen? Ooh, that's a good question. I don't know if I have a good memory <laughs> oh, <laughs> in terms mm-hmm. of beans and stuff, um, <laughs> more than just generalities. But um, I'm gonna say no because okay. I don't know. Generally, for me, like coffee. On, on the on the most surface level, like either tastes good, like is is roasted well, brewed sure. well, or just doesn't, you know, right. it's just kind of like generic, not not very high quality coffee, and there's a right. like pretty stark contrast even before you start talking about characteristics and all that stuff. You're just mm-hmm. like, yeah, this isn't good, mm-hmm. um, or this is like okay, or maybe even good. And I yeah. think this Mount Hagen is almost like in between those, where okay. I wouldn't be like, oh yeah, this is good. Um, but also wouldn't be like, yeah, this is bad. Um, so oh. I don't think it necessarily comes up or it reminds me of anything. Um, yeah. Mm. So it's like a three, like a three out of five. <clears throat> yeah. Or is that too yeah, generous? I guess maybe two and a half, two, oh, you know? Okay. Yeah, yeah. 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 Huh. So. Hmm. Well, I mean, uh, you know, if, if you, if you, uh, don't want the rest of that Mount Hagen, you know, send it my way. Oh, I yeah. like to maybe try it out. True, that's true. It's, it's like a good uh, sample size left, so I actually might I might do that. And you, can, <laughs> you can taste for yourself, and maybe oh. maybe you'll be like, "This is amazing," or maybe you're like, "Oh, this is horrible." I sure. don't drink it for two weeks. Yeah, and I don't know if you've ever had the exclusive Maxwell House and Folgers coffee, but I will Ooh. send that to you as well. <laughs> yeah, it's just uh, you know we we all we all share and are very open with our instant and grocery store coffee <laughs> yes oh, we start like sending that to listeners or something You're right like, yo thank you so much for listening um here have some Folgers <laughs> oh I'd be the biggest trolls ever yeah they, they would they would uh, immediately rate us one star on <laughs> apple podcast plus we wouldn't really be the pour over anymore it'd be the uh, hot water and stir, like, you know, <laughs> yeah. just stir podcast. Just stir. Well, I mean, that could be the stir. I mean, I don't stir. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah, yeah, the stir. It, I mean, in terms of names go, I mean, it's not bad. Yeah, we we good at names. We good at names. Yeah, yeah, we, we do that. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm looking forward to tomorrow. First, first cup back using my own coffee gear. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, we'll see if it will blow my mind and remind me of all, all the good reasons why I spent the money on these things. <laughs> oh, as do I every morning. <laughs> well, you ready to get into this Westworld discussion? Yes, yes, I am. It's been a minute. Mm-hmm. All right, so this uh, this pod, we're talking about the riddle of the Sphinx. And as we always do, here's a little summary. Bernard is led by Clementine to a cave where he finds Elsie chained to the ground. Elsie, remembering that it was Bernard who abducted her, is initially hostile until she learns that Ford was controlling Bernard and that Ford is now dead. The two wander into a secret underground lab and discover a massacre of drone hosts and technicians. In the past, we learned that James Delos has passed away and that William has been working on a secret program to move his consciousness into a host. The host does not readily accept James's mind, and after years of repeated attempts, it appears that the replicated body inevitably reaches a cognitive plateau. Realizing that humans were not meant to be more immortal, William terminates the program with the host-human hybrid still inside. Returning to the present, Elsie and Bernard discover the same lab William was experimenting in and are shocked to find a mutilated James Delos, peering into his own reflection. The host-human hybrid attacks the two of them, and they manage to escape and terminate it for good. Meanwhile, the man in black and Lawrence are taken prisoner by General Craddock and the Confederados, who are terrorizing Lawrence's hometown. To keep Craddock from killing more townspeople, the man in black provides Craddock with a cache of hidden weapons and promises to help him reach the valley beyond. 
However, Craddock continues to terrorize the town and binds up Lawrence and the Man in Black. The Man in Black finally musters up the heroics to break free and lights up Craddock with a mouthful of nitroglycerin. The two newly freed men head out of town and just so happen to bump into Grace, who we now discover is actually William's daughter. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Crazy stuff in this episode. Mm-hmm. And uh, definitely a very intense and bottled up one. Um, what are your thoughts, man? Yeah, it's... This episode is really good, I guess. <laughs> um, it... I don't know if they do it on... I don't know if they know that episode three is, like, not good. Um, mm-hmm. But they, like, follow it up with this. Um, but, yeah, this episode, I thought, mm. had really, really good storytelling. And I also feel like the overall vibe was different. Mm. Um, even, even like, that opening scene, the camera work, it was... It's kind of, like, slowly panning right. around um, Jim Dallas's room and... It's just the whole feel of the episode was just different from what was normal. And I, I think it, it was in a good way. Um, mm-hmm. it, it's probably like the different directors and stuff, maybe different writers that they have. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I, I appreciated it. And also this episode kind of was more cohesive than mm-hmm. others. Kind yeah, of I like, agree. even though we had so many different stories, they actually really went together and served yeah like almost one one story like one purpose in some ways right kind of showing like william man in black the park you know just all these different things um so i i really like this episode and i think the more i think about it since watching it i just like it even more mm-hmm. so definitely one of one of the top probably the top episode so far for me first yeah in, in season two I mean, uh, in season yeah. two yeah yeah well, what about you Man, I would definitely agree. Um, I think this episode does what Westworld gives us so well, um, like giving us all these parts and pieces and these clues, and we don't have to wait till the next episode for it to pay off. Like yeah. it just all comes together in the end, and you're like, oh shoot! Like that's what um, you know. Uh, that's what. Well, this is building up from the whole. Uh, Delos experiment stuff but Mm -hmm. you know just like oh that's that's where James Delos was and like oh this could be connected to um you know just Bernard's um I don't know like his the 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 files that he's been looking at so just like Mm -hmm. it really feels really um what's the word validating I guess you're like oh yeah 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 yeah. there's like a like a pit payoff, I guess, in some ways. The payoff, yeah. As as the audience, um, yeah, being able to kind of connect all the things, and yeah, I think the strength in like the writing for Westworld is just they they take the concepts, things that we kind of like know, you know, like you know, there's androids, these robot things, you know, kind of the quest for immortality is kind of in there somewhere, but mm-hmm. then just the way they present it is just not how I would have expected necessarily or thought about. And it sure. just makes the story super compelling. All right. And this was yeah. the uh, directorial debut of Lisa Joy, who... Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, we see her all the time in those behind-the-scenes um, post-credit um, clips. And I think oftentimes she's a part of uh, directing and... I think she's a writer uh, for sure, mm. but this episode was her first, uh, you know, shot at being the, you know, director in the director's seat. Yeah, uh, super cool. I, I think she did a pretty good job. Um, and I, I was, I was bring this up later, but uh, the this episode was the first time I watched the behind the scenes. Oh, um, <laughs> not intentionally. So this is going to be kind of embarrassing, maybe. But, uh, you know, when, when you start the episode in the HBO app, it always mm-hmm. says, like, oh, stay tuned for, uh, you know, behind the scenes or whatever. It says that every mm-hmm. time. And then after I'm done watching it, 
I, I, I'm not aware of this until now, but what happens is like, oh yeah, playing the autoplay, you know, it'll, it'll be like starting the next episode in like five right. seconds or whatever. And I, I always stop it because, you know, I'm, I'm not trying to move on to the next episode yet. Mm. And then in my mind, I'm like, oh, where's the behind the scenes? Like, what the heck? Rip off. Oh, it's after and then that. I just move on. Yeah. Um, and then I, I've done that for 13 episodes. Oh. And just thinking that the behind the scenes was always a lie. <laughs> and then this this time I watched it um, a little differently so like it, it, it didn't do the autoplay basically it was like turned off and so it kept playing and then the behind the scenes started and I was like oh this is how you do it it's actually <laughs> after this they just kind of cut it out in the autoplay um, oh man so I feel kind of kind of bad there but you, I, was, yeah. I was glad I watched it for this one um, especially you know because you're saying uh, Lisa Joy's first um, directorial debut, you know, a lot, having mm-hmm. her be able to kind of explain some some of her inspiration and thought process behind it uh, was was pretty helpful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, well, you you feel like Bernard when he didn't see the door. Yeah, <laughs> don't look like anything to me. Just <laughs> um, but then he yeah. sees the door in this episode. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. So Ford is no longer in control of me. Yeah, yeah, and super random with with, with the um, behind the scenes though. The the actor that plays Bernard Jeffrey Wright, like his mm-hmm. normal voice is so deep, oh. <laughs> like it's, it's it's really different from his Bernard voice. Really, that's like one thing. Like this really stood out to me. Like I think oh. he just like doesn't give it as much like chest voice. I guess. <laughs> um, yeah, I feel like his Bernard voice just isn't as deep. And I was like, whoa. Right. You like sound like a different mm. person, um, but yes, yeah. You know, mm. Speaking of Bernard, though, yeah, kind of, kind of has quite a few experiences in this one. Mm. Um, starting with meeting Elsie up again, mm-hmm. like Elsie's back. I was like, what? Yes, um, I did not expect her to return ever. <laughs> Me neither. Um, yeah, like, were were you, were you surprised by that or or what? Uh, yeah, I, I I didn't know she'd be in the cave. I mean, it was weird how Clementine brought her to the cave, yeah. uh, but then just seeing her there is like, well, you first, I think you first see like the gr- <laughs> the granola bars, and like you see someone <laughs> chained with the leg, and you're like, wait, no, this can't be. Yeah, and then you see that's Elsie, and you're like, oh my gosh, like, so she's not dead. And now she's come face to face with the person that abducted her. Yeah, man, yeah, that, that's super weird. And like Bernard didn't know, like at first. Mm-hmm. He, he was also like us. He's like, "Whoa, oh my goodness, it, it's Elsie!" Like, "Oh, what's happening?" I you. you know, got got to free her. That's my friend, kind of thing. <laughs> and then she's like, she's "Yo, like, get away!" Yo, um, WTF? Yeah, <laughs> that, that was kind of a funny uh, dynamic interaction there. Yeah. Yeah, they. It was like the the whole Elsie and Bernard investigation crew all over again, but <laughs> with that kind of like strange chemistry. Because like, did you just try to kill me like not too long ago? <laughs> and like Elsie's asking all these questions, like you know, she's like super confused, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and Bernard doesn't have any answers because he's like in this weird headspace where he can't tell the difference between now and future and past. Yeah. Yeah, so I I thought it was it's kind of a weird writing choice to just take her away for so long mm-hmm. and then just bring her back out of nowhere. Yeah, um, but I, I think it, it it works because Bernard kind of needs a a support, um, mm-hmm. like one for his his like his physical issues cortical, with you know leaking yeah, the fluid. cortical fluid or whatever. Yeah, but also just to be able to move move the story forward a little bit, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, just because he's he's confused, and so they kind of need someone to that that's not quite as confused. I think to just drive it forward. Sure, but yeah. So I, I thought I mean it, it's good so far based on this episode. I mean I think it was a good choice to bring her mm-hmm. back. Um, yeah, I feel like it was uh, the the common thread. I think that is binding this is that it could be Ford's plan all along to mm-hmm. kind of have Elsie on ice, so to speak. Uh, you know, by abducting her in the first season and kind of keeping her safe in the cave 
until Bernard can, you know, pick back up with her again. Um, you know, cause maybe she, maybe Ford didn't want her to get killed in the massacre mm-hmm. in the, uh, you know, at the gala. So, you know, and, and if Ford told Bernard to abduct her and then later on, if Ford is controlling Clementine, he also wants Bernard to find her. So, I mean, there's there's something going on behind the scenes that we're not really fully aware of yet that involves Ford. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that was weird. You know, Clementine, she, she didn't say anything. She wasn't in <laughs> right? any other scenes. She just oh. um, picked them up, dropped them off, and left. It's, it's kind of bad acting. I don't know. It, like... I can see how it's like a part of her very muted host character, but mm-hmm. it's distracting, I think. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's just one of those, like, Bernard has to get there somehow. So right, right. this is how he's getting there. <laughs> yeah, it's all right. It's, it's like the first thing that happened, so I, I just, just forget it. About, I think they just want you to forget about it by the end. Right. It's just like, we'll, just we'll remember, Bernard started at the cave somehow. <laughs> yeah. So I guess maybe when we talk about that lab, though, um, mm. yeah, that Bernard and, and Elsie discover, and, like, he, because the, the way that they're kind of tying together the flashbacks now is that Bernard is visually seeing himself mm-hmm. versus just kind of going back and forth and experiencing the different things. Um, right. I thought that was kind of cool. It was a little bit different, and um, but I thought it was it just it's like a little creepy to me. It like mm. felt like weird, you know, like because he he was just observing himself. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't know, just the overall vibe from it. I was like, oh, this is kind of a little scary. I think because he is like seeing himself, but he's not sure what he's about to do. Mm-hmm. Um, right, he's right, not right. sure what's about to happen even though he's already been there he's already done it right um so i think like that uncertainty that i feel like his character feels i also feel that i'm like oh mm-hmm. like what what am i about to do what, what have i done basically already mm-hmm. yeah 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 that's that's the same that's the same thing that he experienced with the elsie thing like i guess not under his own control mm-hmm. he's doing all these things um I don't know. Yeah, Bernard's just a very confusing character. Yeah. Yes, he is. And, and you're right. The I think the whole episode had kind of a uh, horror kind of um, vibe to it, like horror mm-hmm. sci, like horror sci-fi vibe. Um, yeah, I think I liked it. Um, yeah, I would yeah. agree. Yeah, I, I like how they kind of feel like they have different inspirations and incorporate different um, overall. Um, atmospheres for the episodes and yeah I think this one worked for them mm-hmm. um, what did you think that Bernard was actually doing in the lab and uh, what did he take uh, from the lab before Elsie and him went in there like what was that ball thing yeah so at first I was when when they first go in and he has kind of has those flashbacks like oh I've been here before kind of thing um, mm-hmm. I was just thinking that, oh, he is running this lab on, oh. on behalf of Ford or whatever. All right. Um, it was, was kind of my assumption, you know. So he just didn't know, but Ford was sending him, and he's, like, doing stuff. But, you know, kind of flash forward to the end scenes um, when he kind of goes and just... It, it, it's revealed that he killed all the lab techs and stuff. Mm-hmm. He He took control of the the drones and they they rebelled because he programmed them to and then mm-hmm. it seemed like when the techs when they saw Bernard there I, I got the feel that he was kinda like, Oh, what what are you doing here? You know, like he's mm-hmm. not supposed to be there kind of thing maybe. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's true or that's necessarily the case, but um there's just kind of the surprise, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, I th- yeah. Yeah, yeah. So so while he was doing there it seemed like which is is kind of what I think him he told LC sort of. Um, mm-hmm. It seems like he he is keeping things to himself though, mm. but because <clears throat> the whole Delos project, what what William was trying to do, and and Jim Delos was to be able to transfer like human consciousness into a host, mm-hmm. and so it seems like 
um, I, I, he says it too that Ford had him basically make one for someone else. Mm-hmm. And so those uh, the ball things, I think that that's like the human consciousness or or the mm-hmm. human brain or like however you want to describe it. Right. Yeah, and then so that those go into those like central you know those brain unit things that's inside the skull for for all the hosts. Hmm. Um, so like, who is that? Like, I yeah. don't. And, and did yeah. he make it though, or was that already made there and he just took it? Because hmm. I think when he went in there and killed everyone, he and then he took the bulb. I don't think there was. I don't think there was a creation period. I think he just took one. That's true. So he he must like have known to, to be able to make it would take a long time. Yeah. Um. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know if that's if that was just kind of because when whenever he went to one of those labs with Charlotte Hale, they were just kind of harvesting DNA and like studying people and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if they just have like a huge database of mm. just like human DNA and like. I don't know, human minds. I, I'm not really right. sure if it extends that far. Um, that's hard to say. That, that, I think that's mm-hmm. a good question that hopefully they kind of address later on. Yeah. Um, I think I think the easy answer, which I don't necessarily think they'll take then, is that, you know, Ford had Bernard print like a brain of a of, of Ford, you know, mm-hmm. of himself. So sure. maybe like the Ford got that Dolores shot at the gala was actually like a host Ford or something. Um, mm. Like, although I thought they could cut him open and see that. So I don't know. Oh yeah. Or, or maybe <laughs> it was the real Ford, but then Ford somehow figured out the technology so mm. that he is preserving himself in a different way. Mm. So like he's actually, he let himself die. Um, but then maybe he's trying to preserve himself through this. I don't know. I think sure. that's the first gut reaction, like the easiest thing, easiest explanation. Right. Um, but otherwise, I don't know. It, it could be, it could be open. Do you, do you, do you have um, predictions on your end? Um, yeah, I, I was going to say Ford. Um, I, I could also see that being, um, I don't know. I I just uh, I don't know if it's if it's what I think it is, which is just you know, like uh, data from guests. Mm. Uh, I don't know. I really don't know. I, my best guess would be Ford. I guess I shouldn't even, shouldn't even try to postulate. But, uh. <laughs> yeah, because I mean, because he Bernard was under Ford's control, so it has to be something Ford would want. Right. Um, so I, I would just assume, yeah, I, I, I don't know who else he would try to do that for, you know. I mean, it definitely ain't Teresa. She's gone. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's true. She, I, don't, I don't think they're, we thought they were bringing her back and then they just weren't. So I think at this point it'd be <laughs> a little too late. I mean, you never know, though. They're, they're bringing everyone back. <laughs> Although not everyone died like Teresa died. So yeah, True. Yeah, another like like less likely, but one that I thought about is like Ford was trying to make a clone of someone so that he could you know somehow trick Delos. You know, kind of how, what he's done with Bernard. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, Bernard isn't replacing Arnold. He's still a, a separate person for for everyone that doesn't know. Mm-hmm. But somehow, like cloning someone and making a host version of them so he can control basically was another thought. I don't really know who he would do that for, you know, someone on the board maybe, but mm-hmm. Um, mm. yeah, man. Well, <clears throat> let's talk a little bit more about the quest for immortality then mm. and the, the failed experiment, um, at least in the eyes of William uh, I just thought that uh, Peter Mullen, the actor who plays James Delos, his acting was on point this episode. Mm-hmm. Like, just just his little tics and just the way that he portrayed like a mind that was degrading. Uh, man, it it, it kind of it got me a little bit emotional in, in in a scary way. Yeah, yeah, I think you sold it really well, and like 
how he, you know, the character was like, I'm fine, you know, but then really struggling and, and realizing mm-hmm. he's not fine. Like, I think be able to convey that through, through his experience of it, um, was, yeah. I mean, like masterful. Um, yeah. So, which, which was nice. I mean, cause he's not, I wouldn't say he's like a major character. Like he, he's really important to the story, obviously, but he just hasn't really been around that much. Mm-hmm. Um, but then be, you know, but to have an actor like him be able to even in, in a role that's a little less major, I think is, is, is nice. Um, and yeah, I always like when they show us new environments in, in the show. Mm-hmm. So being able to see like the lab itself, but also that his, his room, his the, room, the way yeah. they kind of kept the host versions of Jim Delos, like, um, that, that, was, that was really cool to be able yeah. to see um, yeah the, yeah. the circular and, and room shout out to you man on, on the episode you you called <laughs> it um, you, you you picked it picked that up and I was like I don't know man and then now now we got this episode we're like <laughs> yep straight up like they're trying to preserve him right yeah thank you um, yeah this his whole room like the room the circular room the hourglass is kind of rounded the fishbowl the mm-hmm. records like Everything points to just this idea of, um, like, continuation and, like, cycles, mm-hmm. um, which is kind of what he's caught in. is like, this, this cycle where, uh, like, he just keeps living the same day over and over again. But, you know, in the end, there's always, you know, the needle is always going to spin to the middle of the record. Like, that's going to end. You know, and you're going to get off that bike because you're tired of pedaling, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, and, and that's what William realizes is that humankind is not meant to live forever. Um, so, I, I don't know. I thought that was a really interesting way to tackle, like you say, kind of ideas like immortality and, and things like that. Yeah. Yeah. Just like the hosts are stuck on their loops, and now they well, oh yeah, well, he, he's still he still is a host. I mean, he's not. I mean, he, he's kind of the in between kind of thing, human host right. hybrid. Um, but he's also stuck on his loop until I mean, the hope was until he could sustain himself. Sure. But yeah. So all all those little little references kind of just thrown in, and even just in the overall design, I think were were pretty cool. Hmm. Um, I love the little quotes, too, that, mm-hmm. uh, you know, keep repeating itself. Uh, like when he gets the whiskeys, he's like, oh, it's a little too early for me. <laughs> and then Dallas is like, oh, a little too effing late, you mean? Besides, yeah. you aim to cheat the devil. You owe him an offering. Like, I was like, man. And then that shows up at the end, too, and he's mm-hmm. like about to die. Yeah, that's very on brand for Westworld to just kind of have these sayings that get repeated. Yes. And then they also use them in different ways. The sayings kind of evolve in their meaning. Right, right. Um, yeah, I think that's that's really, really good, I guess, um, and powerful. Uh, I, I do want, it's like, even though he is, like him, is still like another version of the host, like, mm-hmm. would, would they say the exact same thing? I don't know, but... Yeah, you know, for mm. the sake of the story and effects, I, I will I will accept it. I guess. Um, I you feel like you they, mean they like kind of have a uh, improvisation kind of things, especially if they're not oh. just straight hosts and like straight code. Right. But, mm. Yeah. So I wonder, like, you know, how 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 the experiment work? They I, you know, because did did William just go in like on the last day when they know he's he's like bugging out? Or, um, right, right. Yeah, like, they go what, what every day. Process? I don't know if you have kind of conjectures or like guesses toward that. No, like I, I thought it was either he would visit him every day hmm. and have the same conversation, but then that wouldn't make sense for uh, Delos because he would remember it, right? Yeah. Um, unless for some reason every day he resets. Oh, like a host, maybe. I don't know. Maybe maybe he is on a specific loop every day, so then they have the same conversation every day, mm. and that's kind of like a testing parameter they put in, 
and then they noticed the degradation every day. Well, that's 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 a hell of a lot of work for uh, William to to do. Yeah, especially as like a CEO or something. Um, yeah, I, I think it makes the most sense to me that he would go in at the end. Hmm. Because um, they well. Well, I guess maybe the question is like, how would they know that he's degrading then? Um, if he's if he's just doing the same thing. Oh, I think the engineers do know though, because remember when William was leaving and he was like, "Oh, do I terminate?" It was like uh, he was leaving, and then the engineer was like, "But, but he was, he was, um, what did he say? Like he wasn't, he wasn't like basically saying like oh, there was, was nothing fine. wrong. He was yeah. fine, yeah. So." I don't know. Oh, yeah. So maybe that's not... It's not the last day then. Yeah. So maybe they do reset him. Like, if not every day, then at least with some frequency. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Because the expectation from the engineer wasn't that he... That Jim Delos would, like, freak out. Mm Mm-hmm. That's a good point. Maybe it was really kind of what William said that triggered it. You know, yeah. his degradation and not so much, like, the host itself. Yeah. Maybe that's why they have the conversations the way they do. Like, they're mm-hmm. supposed to trigger, like, emotional responses. Mm. And the way mm-hmm. he processes and is able to express or not express is, like, the measurement of, like, how how well mm. his brain has integrated with the host. Ooh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Or really, the the quest for immortality is just a ruse for William and his side of Delos to create like a human being who is just like scripted, mm. right? Because, like you said earlier, it couldn't really be that the host says this. The host hybrid says the same thing every time. I mean, there has to be some improvisation. Especially if that's the same kind of direction we see the hosts in Westworld because they have that improvisation thing. But it seems like what William is trying to create here is not the hosts in Westworld. He's trying to create, I think, something different because he's monitoring for fidelity, right? He wants to make sure it's the same every time. Mm -hmm. And the degradation is kind of, I think, a red herring to the fact that I think William is on a quest for not immortality, but maybe creating a kind of a host human hybrid that is like scripted and like more of a robot than a human. Mm. Maybe to control them. I don't know. Dang. And William was just playing Jim all along. He's been playing James. (laughs) Yeah. It's deep. William is is an interesting guy. I mean, we see we see a lot of him in this episode. Mm. If you want to include also the Man in Black, yeah. Which, um, what did you think about his scenes? I appreciated them a lot. Like, it's you know the whole story arc, him and Lawrence, um, and then if, because they they meet or they they get captured by Craddock and the other Confederados and. It just seems like the man in black is just, he's still playing the game. Like, he's still Mm -hmm. focused on getting through and all that. And he's basically, like, still this heartless dude. Um, Yeah. But then he switches, you know, at the end and ends up killing everybody. Like, I mean, all the confederados. And, like, saving Lawrence, his family, all the people in the town. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, I love that. Yeah, I mean, I thought I thought that was really amazing, and also just a really great scene, like because it is is basically is building up to it, because um, just the whole time, right, it is is mm-hmm. allowing us to really just hate Craddock, and, right. and all the other people, and also like feeling bad for Lawrence's family, and mm-hmm. so is is like setting us up for it in some ways emotionally, but at the same time, because it was the Man in Black who still was the only one that could do anything. He still, he was the only one that had some power. Cause you know, Lawrence was, he's getting beat up. He was tied up, 
but mm-hmm. they let the man in black, you know, to make a deal with him. Right. So I think there's still that chance in my mind where I was like, well, is he going to let them do this? Like, <laughs> is he just going to mm-hmm. let them kill Lawrence, all his family, just to be able to go and uh, just for fun, basically? Right. Um, but he chooses not to. And mm. I think that that whole scene, that whole, that whole pivot was, um, I think kind of meant to maybe show like the man in black is still William. Maybe yeah. he still maybe cares. Yeah. Although he, he tries to play it off like he doesn't, you know, when he's talking to Lawrence's daughter, when she's in, I don't know, like Ford mode or however you would call it. He's like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, you know, I'm I'm still playing the game. Like, don't think this is for anything, you know, right. other than myself. But sure. I don't know. I feel like you, viewing it in light of the whole episode, it just seems like, you know, as he gets to become older William, he's just making realizations about life and stuff like mm-hmm. that. That, you know, it's a little different. He's not yeah. white as just the man in black. I don't know. Right. Do yeah. you feel like he is turning into old William, like the really optimistic and wide-eyed William? Or do you feel like he's even evolving into something, like, even more heroic and, like, uh, altruistic than that? Mm. Man, that'd be... That'd be a huge swerve if he becomes like the the hero, like the hero. character, yeah. In some way, <laughs> um, I, I could see him doing that though. Like in terms of like Westworld, um, I think that'd be nice to see in some ways. Like like mm-hmm. seeing that young William and just in some ways see, being able to experience and see almost his whole life, or at least very significant portions of his adulthood, um, mm-hmm. and see him turn around and become this positive character I think would would be a very nice payoff from the audience perspective um, mm-hmm. at least for me someone that maybe just appreciates more happy endings than, than sad ones <laughs> um, not, yeah, so I don't know if they would actually do that but yeah I, I don't think um, ever since what happened with Dolores and you know and Logan when, when William was, was younger I don't think it's possible for him to go back mm-hmm. to that time, like that was like innocent in some ways. I mean, he wasn't. Mm-hmm. Like, I think we're seeing he still is like somewhat a shrewd businessman, but his yeah. overall perspective and like being a little more timid and all of that, like, like I think it's just once you get certain life experiences, you you're just not the same, right? I think it might be going back and embracing some of those values again, maybe. But Mm -hmm. he, with experience, is just maturing. So I think best case scenario is that he just becomes like a mature William. Mm. Um, But I mean, I don't know. Like, what what, what do you think? Where where do you feel like he's headed based on this episode? Uh, Yeah, I I definitely think this is kind of a shift in him as a character. Like, Like, in the beginning with him and General Craddock, he was kind of like I just felt like him. He was very out of it, like as a as a person. Like when he was sitting there with Lawrence inside the chapel, like tied up. He was like, oh, "I'm gonna just gonna have to like get out of this," and like you know, it's like, "Oh, I guess I might die here." Um, but like when he takes that whiskey bottle and he like he like breaks it open and stabs him in the neck, I was like, "Oh, dang, this is." Yeah. This is like the the low key climax of the episode, um, yeah, and made me really feel like, oh man, this is a guy that I can really get behind. Like he's 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 this uh, rough and tumble like antihero that um, is like trying to right his wrongs um, in spite of uh, Ford, who kind of wants to uh, pigeonhole him. Um, and it reminded me of when uh, William was, and, and the Delos Lab reminds me of this too, when William said he's trying to uh, correct his greatest mistake or something like that, referring to the, the Valley Beyond. Um, so, yeah, 
I guess that's a separate thing, but um, yeah, I just feel like William is kind of coming into uh, totally entering a new kind of part of his character where he's like really evolving, like you said. Yeah, yeah. So for sure, yeah, I think he, I mean, he's always been like one of the main characters, you know, but now, yeah, I I like what you said where he's like this guy that I can kind of get behind, um, maybe a little investment or just seeing some development in who he is or who he's being mm-hmm. presented as. Um, so, yeah, I, I I mean, as always, but also am, am being intrigued by the Man in Black's story arc. I think he's just getting more and more depth. Like, right. you know, like William, because it's like two, not extremes, but kind of two like caricatures in some ways, like the super innocent or like unaware guy as William. And then this mm-hmm. really... Um, I don't know, maybe jaded like or just yeah. like yeah, savage kind of evil guy as an old man who just just wants to kill everything and like wants to die mm. or get as close to death as possible, right? But now actually meeting somewhere in the middle of that maybe ish mm-hmm. and like actually having depth and and being developed further. Um, mm. Yeah, yeah. So I I like I like him as a character. Maybe yeah. yeah, the most that I have the whole the whole uh, series so far. Ooh, yeah. Question: mm. uh, What are they gonna do with Stubbs? <laughs> they, I don't they, know. They like, showed man. him in like they showed him like in five minutes of of the whole episode, yeah. and he didn't, just, he didn't like, even there. die. <laughs> hey, he's just there. And, like, it, it almost seemed like it was gonna be significant. Like he comes face to yeah. face with with the natives, you know, and like they they put the knife up to him, and and I guess the the chief or or whatever he he says yeah. something pretty deep, you know, is like yeah, something along right? the lines of, you know, you you only live as long as the last person that remembers you or something mm-hmm. like that. And I was like, "What's that mean?" And then they all just disappear somehow. <laughs> yeah, it's just like the fades away, like the background just fades. <laughs> and I was like, it's "What?" Like, oh, okay, it's a nice little yeah. fortune cookie quote. <laughs> yeah, and I was like, "Oh, what the?" And then they just didn't go anywhere with it. So that I, I actually, until you brought it up, I actually forgot about that whole scene. Oh, because I feel like it, 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 it didn't do anything. It like didn't serve any purpose, it at least totally in this episode. It. Actually, so, the whole, yeah. um, the whole, all the scenes with Stubbs and Grace, I feel like could be removed from this episode, and yeah. I wouldn't, it wouldn't change anything. Yeah, like, is it just the only purpose to show how, like, one, she gets like snatched up from the beach, from the, from the natives, and then mm-hmm. she escapes, like, because we see her escape, and Stubbs does not escape, <laughs> right? Then, like, is that is that the whole point? And then she meets up with the man in black. You know, if that's yeah. it, I'm like, like kind what of disappointed. And and the way she escapes is so so dumb too. Like, she literally <laughs> just grabs a torch from some random native and then smacks him, <laughs> and he's like, "Bye!" And then runs away. <laughs> Bye. It just runs. Yeah, it's so it's oh. so dumb. Like, like they could have just you know she she falls off, she arrives at the beach, and then then just goes meets up with with the man in black somehow. Right. Like that would have been fine. I mean, that's essentially what's happening. Yeah, but, we can assume that she survived. Yeah, I'm like, why, why, why is this man here? Um, yeah, so I don't know. He's. <laughs> they gave him a name. He shows up throughout a bunch of episodes, but right, yeah. Stubbs's story is just feels like it's going in super slow motion times like one hundred. <laughs> just based on his st- <laughs> the amount of time, like maybe at the end of the series we can stitch together all like the 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 ten scenes that he'll be in, and it'll uh-huh. make like a co- cohesive something i don't know and it'll only be like 10 minutes it'd be like a yeah. 10 minute video and we'll be like oh yeah okay it makes oh sense. yeah that guy it like says like one thing about him that's it i don't know <laughs> yeah i don't know or like oh. maybe maybe they're like like 
testing how people feel about him as a character. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, by just putting him in one scene. I don't know. Like, I mean, it's always that they've already written the whole season. But I, I don't know. Right. I'm just trying to justify why they did it the way they did. Well, they're not giving us uh, any good reason to like him. He can't yeah. even speak Lakota. Yeah, I know. He's just he's just there. Yeah, he's not helpful at all. Um, it, it was interesting though, like when he was talking to uh, Grace, I guess, and the, the Williams' daughter. Um, she, I mean, she's only had like two lines, but it seems like she's more similar to her dad. Um, hmm. Maybe because you know he's like, oh yeah, Stubbs is like, oh yeah, we'll we'll, we'll escape this or like we'll get out of this, and I you know I'll help you escape or something. She's like, I'm not mm-hmm. trying to escape. <laughs> right. Um, so she kind of yeah. has this, like, I don't know, like, kind of dive in. Out of his. And, like, kind of, like, kind of has a reason and a purpose kind of mm-hmm. mentality and attitude that so far seems pretty close to what her dad is like. Right. Yeah. 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 Do do you like that they brought in like his daughter into into the story? Uh, do you, what, what do you, or do you have any thoughts on where they'll kind of take that? Mm, too early to tell. I think. Mm. Um, yeah, she's she's definitely got um, much of the personality that the man in black does. I don't know if she's a, a necessary character at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, if she's there to help develop, uh, William, uh, he's already kind of developing on his own. Yeah. I don't know what she would add to him. Uh, but then again, um, you know, I might be a little bit, uh, I might lack some foresight because, you know, there's still plenty of episodes left. She might just be this completely new kind of, you know, badass character, um, I don't know, but I mean, they kind of just threw her in there. So she has, there's aside from the William connection, she really has no other connection to other mm-hmm. characters or anything like that. Yeah. Cause at this point, there's not a lot we know about her other than, you know, she's William's daughter. Um, she, from William's perspective does not have a good relationship with him or a mm-hmm. good point of view of who he is like as a person. Um, cause, cause yeah. her mom committed suicide and, you know, William says that his daughter blames him. Mm-hmm. Um, and also like she's, she spent a lot of time in the different Delos parks. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. Cause when, when she was still over in like Raj world, she's just, you know, she, she says something, you know, with like all the time I spent here or like something like that. So she has experience in these parks, whether Westworld or not, or, or somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, that's about it. So, yeah. Yeah. So maybe they'll weave her in like, you know, like the conversation we're having, like the man in black is getting more depth is getting developed more. And like mm-hmm. his backstory has been coming out through these different episodes, like the whole thing with, with his wife and even like having brought that up a little bit too in, in this episode with his couple of conversations with Jim. Um, right. Yeah. So maybe they'll, they'll use that somehow and maybe she will be like the vehicle for him becoming like kind of this, uh, protagonist, like kind of hero character. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Like somehow they'll they'll be able to reconcile and like it'll push him even further than he could have gone sure. by himself. I don't know. Mm. Yeah, mm-hmm. or maybe she'll just replace Lawrence and we'll just forget about him. <laughs> oh, I like Lawrence. Yeah, yeah, me too. He hasn't been doing too much though. I mean, like he, I mean, he he's a big part of the episode, but he's just yeah as a character isn't like serving as much. Right, purpose. he's he's just that sidekick character. Yeah. 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 Uh, anything else from this episode that uh, you feel like you want to bring up? Yeah, I mean, overall, I thought it was a super solid episode. Um, makes me really look forward to the rest of the season. Um, yeah. Yeah. Any any concluding thoughts from you on this episode? 
Yeah, same here, man. Just uh, look forward to what's next. Um, yeah, and then in season three, too, like, man, like, we're going to be talking about, you know, what's what's happening in season three later on this year. So, oh, yeah. uh, man, it's crazy. Um, but yeah, this episode was, was, was great. You know, I would give it probably like an eight out of 10. Mm. Um, yeah, just a very cohesive, uh, episode. And I think the reason why we can't, well, we've talked a lot about it already, but there's not a lot of speculation, you know, there's not a lot of like, oh, this is, this could happen. This could, this could happen next. This could mean this. It's like, I feel like after watching this episode, I actually feel like I have some resolve and I have like some yeah. closure on some things. Yeah, maybe that's why it, it just I I feel so positively about it. I mean, other than like it was just done really well, but you know, feeling like because because they re, they revealed they made really big reveals in this episode mm-hmm. about the Delos project and also like just kind of bringing back some characters and stuff like that, like. Um. Yeah, feeling like there were some resolutions in terms of like the questions we've had. I mean, right. not not to all, of course, but I think feeling like we we know more than we did at the beginning of the episode. Right. Uh, whereas, like sure. some episodes, we're like, uh, like <laughs> what, what's happening? Like, kind of not not in a really bad way necessarily, but. Right. It just feels like they Different. give us info, but then it just leads to more questions, leads to more speculation. Yeah. Whereas right. this is like, oh, we actually have some stuff to work with now. Right. Um, some solid yeah. info. Ooh. All right. Well, um, to end off our pod, as usual, we're going to end with the what's making you happy this week segment. So, Dill, what's making you happy this week? Yeah, like I said, at the top of the show, I was dog-sitting this week, so I got the privilege to hang out with two Golden Retrievers, Aww. Uh, pretty young. They're they're brothers, but I think they're about a year and a half old or so. Um, okay. Super energetic, uh, pretty fun, and um, yeah, I mean, Golden Retrievers, straight up, but... I feel like over the week of just just us being together, I don't know. Like I don't know if it was um, in my mind or not. I feel like we made a connection, though. I feel like we were close um, <laughs> and became friends. Like uh, you know, first night I I like didn't let them sleep in my room or whatever. But then the rest of the week they they slept on the bed with me and stuff like that. Um, wow. And yeah, so I feel like it was it was nice. So I, I enjoyed um, watching watching them this week and spending time with them. And it's interesting watching them interact, too. Like, you know, one was the older brother, one was the younger brother. The younger brother is a little more timid. The older one mm-hmm. a little more aggressive and physically also a little bit bigger. And so I felt oh, like he okay. was, like, kind of picking on the little brother sometimes, which, you know, yeah. that's kind of what also, like, I think um, human, like, you know, people do. Like older right. brothers, younger brothers, you know. Wow. Um, so it's it's just interesting watching them interact and also just spending time with them. Um, mm. Yeah, just because I I never really had a ton of pets growing up, and I've always liked animals quite a bit. So mm-hmm. yeah, so I, I like it. It's it's kind of my side gig from time to time. I like walk dogs or or watch them while people are out of town, and yeah, this is a good time. It's a nice little little. Uh, change up from what life is usually like. Right. Yeah. yeah. Nice. Yeah. So uh, what, what What about you? What's making you happy this week? Um, what's making me happy? Um, a, a cool thing between Dill and I is we have a good friend that's getting married in about mm-hmm. two weeks. And we are both uh, lucky to be on the wedding party. Yeah. And... Uh, what's making me happy and maybe what's making Dill happy too is a nicely tailored suit. Hey. And <laughs> yeah, uh, it's funny. It's like nice fitting clothes kind of make you feel good about yourself. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, it's like, that looks pretty nice. Uh, but yeah, I guess just kind of as a, um, I guess, metaphor for that, just 
the the wedding that's coming up is just making me happy thinking about that. Um, yeah, I didn't want to say going back to work tomorrow because it's definitely not true. <laughs> um, I, there, there's not an inch or, or bone in my body that just wants to be back at work. Um, although I think the regularity of life will be good for me. Um, but yeah, just, you know, looking forward to our friends, big celebration, um, you know, entering that next stage of life, um, and just all the parts and pieces that come with it. So, um, just trying to enjoy that, um, in the moment. Yes. Wedding season is, is fast approaching. Oh, so many weddings. Yeah. I have a ton of weddings to go to this year. So. Yeah, but it'll be a good time. So, yeah, thanks for pouring it over with me, Dill. I look forward to the next time we chat. And, um, yeah, take it away. Yep. This was the Pour Over Podcast. You can email us at pouroveroshow at gmail.com. Our artwork is by Daniel Liu. Find him on Instagram at herecomesdaniel. Music is by Joshua Yin. You can listen to his other tracks on soundcloud.com slash kidmajestic, one word. Thanks for joining us. And special announcements. Um, we are now actually on Instagram, finally. Uh, we'll be posting up podcast updates from on there every now and then. And new episode drops. So follow us on Instagram at pourover underscore show. Stay up to date with the show stay up to date with us and yeah otherwise thanks for tuning in and take care peace yeah